Blog Talk Radio. Radio, America's premier sports music program. I'm your host, Mike Gardner. Join with me is my partner in crime, the notorious Ben Florence. Hello. It is Friday, April 18th. Mm. For us, just a few weeks away from the end of the semester and end of school. And for you, a few weeks from a next big, a new step in your life. Can't wait. Got a great show for you on hand. We'll be talking some. Rumors with guys coming into the NBA draft. The NBA playoffs is among us this weekend. Satchel, playoffs? Satchel Price of SB Nation's Bullets Forever. Satchel Page? Will be joining us to t- discuss the Wizards in the playoffs for the first time since 2007-2008 season. When Gilbert Arenas was there. That's right. So basically we'll just backtrack and go back in time last week when we gave our playoff predictions only to realize that the playoffs are actually now officially set and a road could be even easier for the Miami Heat. And we'll also talk some Masters. But uh, one special preview that is already underway... That's right. ...is the NHL playoffs. Mm. Something you are following very closely watching some of the games this week, Flo. Absolutely. New playoff format, for starters. That's right. Uh, it's interesting, because of the realignment this year, they, they only, there are only two divisions in each conference. There's the Atlantic, the Metropolitan, which everyone's agreed is a terrible name, the Central and Pacific. And the new playoff format, it is not the one through eight in each conference. In each, it's one, it's uh, the first three teams in each division. And then there are two wild cards in the conference, meaning that one division could have two teams in the wild card, and or each division has a wild card team. And then the wild card team, uh, basically the f- the first two rounds of the playoffs are essentially in division. Now, if which, which is what happened in the West, the Central Division had two wild card teams, so the lower seeded wild card team, and that situation goes to the division that didn't have a wild card team. That's why you're seeing Dallas playing out West, and they're playing the Anaheim Ducks in the Pacific Division. You have you no know, Dallas is not in the Pacific Division. So a little, a little uh, interesting change. Uh, not a lot of people like it, and but, you know, that's – but, uh, yeah. Are you in favor for it? Um, I am not a fan, to be honest. I, uh, I think that it, it really appears that the, uh, the uh, NHL was trying to create like a March Madness where you fill out a bracket, and I just think that you have these great matchups in round one. The rest of the way. Yeah, know. exactly. But we will go to someone who knows the ins and outs of hockey a lot better than us. Joining us on the Hotline Sports Center anchor and founder of the Bucci Overtime Challenge, John Butchergrass joins us on the show. Thank you once again for being on FNAC Radio. Hello, boys. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. 
Uh, first thing, for starters, we talked about it. What are your thoughts on the new NHL playoff format? Yeah, you know, I don't really, you know, that stuff doesn't really bother me. I just watch the games, whatever teams are playing. Um, it was easier before just to figure out, you know, one through eight, and then you always play the, the lower seed, the higher seed. It gets, you know, you always get that luxury. So, you know, I'll have to kind of, to look at it here and see how I haven't even seen a bracket myself. I'm just kind of getting ready for the first round games, taking one round at a time. So I've really thought a whole bunch about it. Like I said, I just kind of watch all the games and enjoy the hockey. So I'm not quite maybe as invested that way in it. Where did this love from uh, for hockey come from? I just like all sports growing up. You know, there was just a, one of the one of the all you know whatever sport it was, I enjoyed it. And he was just one of them. So it was just a uh, um, always enjoyed it, and uh, it was just part of the whole whole sports menu for me. Now, John, uh, Ben Florence, um, you know, you've uh, been yeah, at ESPN for many years now, and you were back uh, in the good old days when ESPN, the National Hockey Night, uh, extent of NHL coverage. Do you think it's fair how ESPN has been criticized of, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, of how much or how little they do cover the NHL? Uh, yeah, I mean, people can, you know, criticize all they want, but there's plenty of places to find content. It's not like we're, we're the only place. There's all kinds of stuff to find video and highlights and, uh, you know, read about great writing on the sport. So there's just, there's just so much out there. There's never been a better time to be a hockey fan in terms of finding the content. So uh, I'm not sure why people um, talk about it so much. But, um, you know, we, we you know, unless you're going to sit down and watch the whole show, then um, – you know, you will see hockey a lot. We cover all the playoff games, and Barry Melrose is there almost every night during the playoffs and, uh, you know, during the regular season, certainly when stuff happens and top plays. And, you know, it's in there a, a, a pretty good amount. So I think overall we do a pretty good job. And um, like I said, up being said, there's just a lot of place, places to find your hockey content. Speaking of Barry Melrose, what was it like to uh, be the voice of the Frozen Four with, with Mr. Melrose, considering that you got to call games of one of a school of two, almost nearly 2,000 students in Union College winning their first time ever and the exciting uh, semifinal game when Minnesota scored with .6 seconds left? Yeah, that's great. I love doing play-by-play, and it's great being at the rink with Barry and, uh, you know, with the crowd and all the people, it's really exciting. And to call a championship game is really quite an honor. And, uh, you know, these are games these people will relive for the rest of their lives. For you to be kind of a part of it as a broadcaster, that's pretty neat. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's the highlight of the year for me. So it was an awesome experience in Philadelphia. And we'll get you out of here on this, Mr. Butchergrass. Uh, who are who are some of the favorites? I'm not not asking you to pick a winner of the Stanley Cup, but there are a lot of good teams out there, especially the Colorado Avalanche led by head coach Patrick Waugh. The Chicago Blackhawks are looking to repeat. Could it be someone from the Eastern Conference, maybe the Boston Bruins? Who's a team to sort of look out for? Yeah, certainly in the East, you know, the Bruins, Penguins, and Rangers would be my big three. I would think one of those three. Uh, you know, we'll make the finals. You know, certainly Tampa Bay is a pretty interesting team with, you know, Stamkos is so good, but I don't think they quite have enough to get to the finals. Um, but I see, they cer- certainly do think the Rangers or the Bruins um, uh, do. As far as the Penguins, I think it's not going to And if any Malkin goes crazy, they certainly could be a team that could be a threat to reach the finals. 
And the West, yeah, really, I mean, it's the Avalanche are a really good team. And, uh, you know, the Ducks are a good team. And the Blues, uh, the Blackhawks, the Sharks, the Kings, I really think just about anybody could make it except for the Stars or Wild. I don't think they can make the finals. But certainly those other six, I really could see any of those six. Maybe the Kings are a bubble team. Um, but really any of those other six could be there. That's what makes these playoffs so great. There really isn't one team. So I think six, one of those six in the West and one of those three uh, in the East will make the finals. All right, he's John Butcher. Check him out on SportsCenter and also follow him on Twitter to yeah, compete for the Bucci Overtime Challenge. Thanks again once, once again for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. See you soon. All right, John Butchergrass, Sports Center anchor and lover of all things hockey. That's right. The voice of the Frozen Four. We are not worthy here on Fanatic Radio. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the Bucci Overtime Challenge. I actually filled out for... How does that work? Yeah, to the fans out there. I see it all the time on Twitter. I have a lot of fans, friends that... uh, follow him and compete for this. How does one actually go about doing it? What it is is that you tweet hashtag Bucci Overtime Challenge when a game goes into overtime and you pick one guy from each team to who is going to score the winning goal. That's where it comes from. And in fact, last night I didn't do it for the Chicago Blues game, which went into three overtime. But then the Blues won like very quickly into the third overtime. That was an awesome game. But in the Avalanche Wild game, which the Avalanche blew a lead and fell apart uh, in regulation. Actually, no, check that. The Wild blew the lead. Well, actually, picked the Wild to upset the Avalanche in the series. Ah. But, um, and then I picked two players. I picked uh, uh, Paul Stastny, who's uh, one of the veterans on a very young uh, Colorado club. And even then, he's only 28, and I think my boy Zach Parise, devil's great. And Stastny scored the winning goal for Colorado in overtime. So that's my that's my little moment of the sun on uh, the old Twitter sphere. So does he retweet you, or do you win anything? Uh, you don't win anything. I think you just get retweeted. I don't yeah. think I got retweeted, but I didn't tweet at Butcher Gross. Uh, just... I think sometimes he – I don't think he retweets everybody because a lot of people fill it out, but – but maybe if I had tweeted at Butcher Gross, I uh, maybe would have got a retweet. But who knows? It's a cool, it's a cool contest on Twitter. Uh, right. And, and with that, is the second Sports Center anchor to join us here on the show. That's right. First being ES, uh, ESPN, former ESPN News, and AU alum Bram Weinstein. Great Bram Weinstein. So the first time we talked to him, he actually got uh, pulled over because he was talking on his phone in the car. Did he really? And, uh, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. But I guess Connecticut has crazy uh, rules of uh, cell phones and driving. What do you mean? That, that should be rules everywhere. Yeah. Well, there's some, some like in, in Texas, There's uh, you can't talk on a cell phone in a school zone. But everyone uh, else, it's, you know. Okay. Anyway, NHL playoffs are going anywhere. Well, first, before we get to the NHL playoffs, I do want to give a congratulations to Union College. Being a member of a small university, okay. AU luckily has about 7,200. This school, though, on the other hand, has about uh, 2,100. Yeah. Union College up in New York. Won its first NCAA hockey title last Saturday. And it was great because they scored three times in a two-minute span. I actually did watch it because we love the underdogs. Love hockey, especially college hockey, because that's where you always get the small schools like uh, Mount St. Like, uh, Cloud, Minnesota St. Cloud. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, Quinnipiac and Yale were in the finals oh, last year. Quinnipiac. I know a few people that go there. Exactly. I actually know somebody that goes to the Union. Really? Yeah. Where, so where is Union? Uh, I think it's 
our, our resident Northeast expert, Ben Florence. I think it's uh, in, uh, yes, yeah, in Schenectady, New York, which yes. is the Albany area. Oh, okay. yeah, the, kid, the, kid, the kid that uh, I know that goes there, he's a, he's a tool, but uh, we'll let bygones be bygones. We'll give him a shout-out. Uh, another thing, this is the only D1 sport. Uh, 2,200 students, a liberal arts college, and it competes in Division Three for every other sport. Uh, congrats to them for winning. Also, one of the greatest names, uh, Shane, got to be here. And uh, teammates call him Ghost, which I can see why his last name is impossible to pronounce. I don't even think I got that right. Apologize to uh, Mr. Shane if I got that wrong. Hmm. A very exciting Frozen Four. is in Philly. I love how they keep it on the East Coast. Knowing in the past has been to Pittsburgh, is in Philly, is in D.C. a couple of years ago. That's right. So shout We've out. We've done it in Tampa too. Really? Yeah. Which the host club was like four, like five hundred miles from the arena. But I know that one year they did it in Tampa. Well, they won seven four defeating Minnesota, who had beaten I think Wisconsin the night before, a couple of nights before on the last second, literally last second goal, scoring with point six seconds left. Very exciting. Good to know that uh, college hockey is alive and well. And on ESPN. To the NHL playoffs we go. A new playoff format, as we have mentioned. I don't like it. The fact that it sort of ruins the, the Cinderella story of a, of a playoffs team. Because the year when the LA Kings won it. They were the 8th seed, weren't they? Yeah, but that was a very good 8th seed. And, but now there's no 8th seed. So it would be just a wild card team. And John Butchergrass said that neither the Wild or the My Dallas Stars are going to win. That's right. But... A very wide open west and east, which on the, the flip side, for my own devil's advocate, it does make it favorable for the top seeds to advance and win. As our good buddy Graham Burns joins us in the studio. Graham, where have you been? I have been at a meeting with a professor. All I right. I from the show. Yeah. If, if you wish. He is what is that supposed to mean? Back, oh, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so Ben, well, ben Florence, yeah. we will break down this Western Conference. Two, I see two one-seeds. It gives it sort of an NCAA tournament feel. But we have the Colorado Avalanche, as I mentioned, led by head coach Patrick Waugh. Yes. A team that I did not think was that good to be a one-seed, yet they are. The well, third best team. Well, they're technically not a one-seed. I believe if it was one through eight, they would be the two-seed. True. I believe Anaheim is the true number one seed. That's right. Yeah. yeah uh, Anaheim's been great, yeah. Anaheim destined to go to the, uh, the Stanley Cup. Um, uh, I think they're definitely a team that could do it. The one thing for them is that they've had some goaltending issues they had to sort out, but they dominated the Kings, uh, and they were up five nothing at the end of two periods. The only game last night that wasn't that good, for the most part. Rangers Flyers wasn't a great game, but they put the Stars by the way. Anaheim's playing Dallas. Okay, now then I'm thinking of San Jose, the Kings. Anaheim, Dallas played uh, two nights ago, and Anaheim, I, that was a, that first game was actually very good. So so far of all the games you've seen, San Jose seems to be the best team in your opinion. Well, no, I think they just only had the most impressive team. We haven't seen every team yet. Uh, we haven't seen the Bruins and the Red Wings. That's right. That game is. Tonight, 7:30 on NBC Sportsnet. If I had to pick a uh, Stanley Cup playoff matchup right now. And they are down, uh, uh, down a game, but I would probably go out of the East. I'm liking Boston. Boston's been awesome this year, and I'm going to go with the Blackhawks. So you, you you have a rematch of last year's Stanley Cup. Uh, yes. Flo will push. Well, I, I doubt to give my Stanley Cup prediction yet. That'll be later in this segment. 
But uh, Chicago does look destined to go back to the Western Conference what Finals. Do they look de- what does that mean? They're a very good team. They just lost. They're still a very good team. Uh, so St. Louis. I'm saying Chicago Blackhawks. They they could be. What they does that mean they're destined? Well, they are the defending champs. Which and when I saw them play the Dallas Stars this year, they just ripped them. They tore them apart like wet tissue paper. And they will play okay. San Jose Sharks. Shout out to Zach Drescher if he is listening. He is a huge San Jose Sharks fan. He is. That is, that is a team yeah. that has always been upset in the first round or never been able to yeah, make they, it. Yeah, they've never been able to break through. They've been in playoffs for forever, it seems like. But they've never been a team that's broken through and get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And on the eastern side, definitely the Boston Bruins. Uh, my boy Chara, still the biggest man in hockey. And that's a team that easily could have won the Stanley Cup last year. If it wasn't for the, the the grace of of God Himself and Lady Luck, when the Blackhawks miraculously came back, I think it was in Game Six, they were down two goals and ended up winning, or down a goal with less than like two minutes left, ended up winning in Game Six. Well, we also also got to consider the fact that Boston might have not been there had it not been for their miraculous comeback against the Leafs, and I believe it was Round One. Yeah, which started they, that great YouTube video. Yeah, they scored three goals in like a minute and a half to advance to the second round. So they advanced with a stroke of luck, but then they absolutely dominated their way through That's the, right. the rest, holding the Penguins to two goals in four games, which is really impressive. But if you look at the St. Louis-Chicago game last night, and we talk about how Chicago's really destined to go back, uh, I think last night, well, obviously it's an instant classic with the double overtime game and all the tension and drama that goes into playoff hockey. Uh, but I really think it's going to be that kind of game that's going to take to knock Chicago out of the playoffs. I think they are very experienced. They have a lot of talent on their side. They're getting Taves and Kane back at this time. Uh, that's that's why they're going to get back to the Western Conference Finals. I, I could definitely see that, and I don't think I don't think the Avalanche are big game ready. I think they lucked out with a win over Minnesota last night. I think Minnesota has a very good chance for an upset there which would technically mm. be, I guess, like a 2-7 upset if we were equating it to past years. Right. Uh, I could definitely see that happening, though. It's a very, 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 very even conference. And, and the thing with Colorado is that they're one of those teams that, yeah, there, there's no taking away how great of a year they, they've had with the job Patrick Watson, but they've been very lucky. Uh, their goalie, uh, Semyon Var- Farlamov, former uh, Colorado, former um, capital, mm-hmm. He has seen by far the most shots in the NHL, but he's also saving them at a ridiculous uh, 93% clip. He's been, and he's one of the leading contenders to win the Vezina Trophy as best goaltender. But they've been very lucky. And one of the things now that we saw, and we saw with Toronto last year in the when they fell apart against Boston, and they had a good year and then fell apart this year, teams that do a poor job of controlling the puck always – is a team that will come back to the norm. If you do win a lot of games, even if you don't control the puck, and Colorado get the fourth worst puck possession in the NHL, Ew. Uh, that is that is a recipe that's poised for um, poised for disaster. And even if Colorado gets by the series, uh, you can be damn sure I'm picking the team whoever they'd be playing next. True that. Uh, of course, I've totally forgot. Graham Burns, how? What is your favorite NHL team? Oh, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. 
Are you really? Do you think yeah. do you think this is the year? Do you think this is the year that Sid the Kid can finally return back to what he once was a great? Of course, he still is probably one of the greatest players in hockey right now. But do you think he could make he it? He is back? the greatest player in hockey. I, be- right I believe now. he is the best player in hockey right now. A lot of people have him as their favorite to win MVP. He finally played a full season. Look great. That's right, because he had been concussed. He had concussion out issues. Quite a while. He had all sorts of issues. He people were questioning if he would ever play hockey again. Uh, and they between their the people on their roster, they missed the most man games out of any team That's in right. the NHL, and they still finished second in the Eastern Conference. Which, granted, isn't as impressive as finishing that high up in the Western Conference, but I think they they showed some resilience this year, which they haven't done in past years. And uh, Flurry, he was shaky in Game One in the first period, allowed two goals. Uh, really, he came back in the second and third, and uh, really stood up to the Blue Jackets, and then gave an uh, opportunity for the Penguins' offense to shine, which is really their strong suit. Uh, Flurry played out of his mind when they won the Stanley Cup back right. in 09, and I don't think that's going to happen again, but I think their offense is better now than it was then, especially their special teams. And that's the thing with Flurry. Like we saw last year in the playoffs, he was a mess, and they put in Vukun. yeah. And, and luckily they had Vukun, who was very good, who was an excellent goalie for a lot of years. Now they don't, really, they don't have Vukun they don't anymore. Have Vukun. So they really, it's, it's almost Flurry or bust. That's the thing with that team. They should, they should beat the Blue Jackets. I mean, the Blue Jackets have been had a great year. Only second time in the playoffs. But they're also a team that I think is going to be like, oh, we're just ha- essentially happy to be there. I don't think they've got enough horses offensively. to win. But that's a thing that in the next round, if they play New York or Pittsburgh or Philly, Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia would be okay because they've got uh, inconsistent goaltending of their own. But I, I, They're definitely – their two biggest foes, I think, will be Boston or Detroit. Uh-huh. Those are two teams that they've historically struggled against, I think. And Detroit, although they're a number four seed – they don't feel like it. And I think Boston, I mean, the Red Wings have always felt so dominant. They, yeah. It doesn't feel like they're a four seed, although they've played like it. They I broke think. A, I think they have a record of 28 straight years in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. And and the Which thing is, is they had to fight hard to get this year. They did. You, didn't, you didn't have Zetterberg and you didn't have Datsuk all in March. So they had to rely on a lot of uh, a lot of young players. And... Um, which they're not really used to. Exactly. They're, they're a very veteran team. Exactly. And Mike Babcock, who is uh, definitely one of the front runners to win uh, Coach of the Year, uh, the Adams Trophy. And But uh, I mean, that's an interesting series to see because even though uh, Boston had like over 20 more points on the year than Detroit, Detroit won the season series 3-1. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, there's two teams I'm looking at this playoff bracket and not seeing. The first one, we'll definitely start with Ben Florence's New Jersey Devils. Yeah. What is the reason why they didn't make it? Well, I think a key reason is that uh, offensively we didn't have enough depth. And and I hate to say it, Martin Brodeur is definitely showing. This that. is last year. I think it's going to be his last year in New Jersey. Whether he retires or he plays elsewhere is, I think, to be determined. But I think that we have seen those, which is a shame. Considering he, how old is he? He's in his 40s now, isn't he? He's, got it. he's yeah. at least 40. He's in his 40s, and he's still making ridiculous saves. The guy That's continues right. to go out and play out of his mind. Well, not as much anymore, but he still True. has that ability. He'll show the, some flashes from the fan of the Fountain of Youth as we almost had a computer fiasco. A Lupe fiasco. Yes? Is that it? Well, what do you want me to say? More the Devils? I think he'll go elsewhere. I think Brodeur will take. A, I think he will. If either, I think he's gonna. 
Uh, he's either going to retire or he's going to play elsewhere. I don't think he's going to retire. So I think the team's going to eventually cut him. It's it's an, it'll be uh, you know a sad, unfortunate circumstance. But sometimes you know you do have to move on. True. And another team that I am noticing our very own Washington Capitals That's did right. not make it. And as now this has gone from bad to worse for DC fans listening. This is a team that had continuously been the number one seed in the playoffs had shown that they could possibly be, this could be the year, this could be the Alex Ovechkin gets it done. Sadly, they are not in the playoffs, which uh, is another reason why I don't like the playoff format, because I think they would have made it if it was the one through eight. Because out of the, I think out of the 16 teams that are in, I think they were the the very, the next, the first out. They were, as we'd say, the the Virginia Tech. No, they finished nine. They would, they would not have, they would have not have made it. And that's the thing with this uh, format. It's still essentially, for the most part, going to be one through eight. Mm-hmm. You're really not going to see, unless one division is outrageously awful. Which we saw in the NBA this year. Which we saw in the NBA. But that's the NBA. That's the NBA. We're not talking the NBA, at least not yet. What goes forward now with uh, Ovechkin? Is it time to push the panic button for the Capitals? Graham. All right. I'm a, I'm a big Ovechkin hater because I'm a Penguins fan. Uh, <laughs> well, this, this will be 100% unbiased. Yeah, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, every year I look forward to seeing the Capitals get a high seed and then fall flat on their face. And I read an article in the Washington Post today about how Ovechkin, although he had 51 goals this year, he still finished negative and plus minus. Yeah. Which call it, they're calling to question his defense. His effort, and I think even though I dislike him, at this point it's got to be incredibly frustrating for him. I feel like they've never had solid goaltending when he's been on this team. They've never had a truly solid defense. Mike Green's uh, effort is getting called into question after he had an injury-riddled year. Uh, They're thinking of letting him go. So they're I, next year. I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle because they're gonna. I think they might let Green go. They're gonna have to rebuild again on defense. They still haven't found. Uh, they still haven't found the goaltender they need. Adam Oates, the head coach, criticized their defense throughout the year. Mm. Uh, but really, Ovechkin, when you put him out on the ice, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting offensive firepower. Nobody ever put him out there to play defense. Although he he is out there to play defense, that's not what you put him out there to do. You know who Alex Ovechkin is? He's the Carmelo Anthony of the NBA. I'm throwing it out there. You can hate on me, Knicks fans, Cats fans. Alex Ovechkin is the it's uh, a very close and Crosby is the LeBron James. It's a very close analogy because both I literally both just con- thought of it and I feel brilliant. Both considered very talented in their respect. And they are, of course. And, and then of course you have, have to have a ring. The key person in Capitals should have never done. They should have never fired Bruce Boudreau. Nah. Even even for even the short tenure he was there five years. I think he was about one two years away from keeping a core of guys together because then they had a lot of those trades. They got a the guy from the Dallas Stars who has done nothing, and now they are in a panic mode and could only imagine what is going to happen in D.C. But uh, we'll take a break when we come back here on Fanatic Radio. We'll have some NBA playoff talk now. It is officially set, and we will pay homage to the Masters. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. It's Fanatic Radio. What's wrong with that? He fought for his country. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. 
It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he could dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
Fanatic Radio. I have no decision-making capability on this program. That's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Log Talk Radio. Here on Fanatic Radio, Blog Talk Radio's premier sports music program, and it'll be later on B4360.com and the podcast on iTunes. ESPN anchor John Butchergrass joined us for the first part of the show to talk some Frozen Four and NHL playoff predictions, and the music was playing in the background, California Love by Tupac Shakur. On this day, two years ago, he resurrected as a hologram at the Coachella Music Festival. Right. You guys all remember that. I was there. And so that was a very cool uh, advancement in technology and spurred uh, many possibilities of having a Tupac tour as a hologram. Well, you'd go. You'd pay to see that. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Isn't it amazing how far technology has come considering that they could make a hologram of a famous icon? You yeah. know, who's to say we're going to have a – who would you see, Graham Burns? Who would you have – Oh, God. Love to see in concert as a hologram. Who's your favorite, I guess, de- now dead musician of all time? Uh, well, if we're gonna go with Tupac, then somebody's gotta say Biggie, am I right? Okay, I was gonna think about. Wow. I-, I was thinking more along with Johnny Cash or okay. Elvis or. You could do that too, or Frank Sinatra, but you know, we could get a little rap battle going between Biggie and Tupac oh, if we really wanted. Graham, Graham, Graham loves yeah. the East Coast West Coast and battle. But then who would get shot though? Well, they're holograms. I can only imagine. Another funny thing about that was uh, watching videos of it two years ago. Uh, Snoop Dogg performed a song with them on stage. Did he really? Oh, yeah, that's right. Snoop Doggy Dog. Because they, they sing the song uh, Gangsta Party. So Snoopy D.O. Dub is, uh, was performing at Coachella. I think this year uh, Outkast is at that festival. I heard about that. I knew they were, uh, they were, they were rumored to reunite at Coachella. Yeah, I think they're officially going to do it. This is great. But we'll go now to our Masters um, closing. As last week, Bubba Watson won his second title in three years, uh, basically dominating the entire weekend. He was up there pretty much to the forefront, especially when we talked about it on Friday last week. A surprise that he not only just won, but amazed at how he's won two of the last three. He's definitely got to be up in the top five best golfers in the world right now, doesn't he not? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, definitely when you went at a place like Augusta National Golf Course, uh, you know, and you win it so quick in succession, uh, absolutely, I mean, he's really developed himself into the, one of the top players on tour, and one of the, and one of the more popular, and one of the bigger cult followings on the cult, on the tour, because he's known for having the hovercraft, and the general lead, he's known as the, uh, the quote-unquote good old boy. It's a dream to that, be on the PJ uh, Tour. It's a dream to win. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, he's definitely with his long drives, his aggressive play. Um, he's shown himself to be a contender on golf's biggest stage. It's a dream to be on the PJ Tour. It's a dream to win. And winning any tournament is a big deal. Winning a green jacket is a little bit bigger deal. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to cry. I mean, because why me? You know, why, why, why Bubba Watson from Baghdad, Florida? I'll probably cry again tonight sometime. You know, after getting the green jacket the first time, 2012, winning it, um, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. At the same time, you know, adopting my son the, the week before, didn't re- threw a wrench in there as well, learning to be a dad, um, and then learning to have a green jacket with you 
um, is too big uh, things to, to adjust to. And so golf was the farthest thing from my mind. So I took off some tournaments, um, you know, trying to, trying to be a, a good husband, a good dad at that moment was, uh, was the most important thing. So now he has won two Masters. Could he potentially break out and win another major? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, never really had success at the other majors. That's the question. That's right. But it's, he's, I mean, he, these are the only two majors he has won. He overall, he has, um, how many wins did he have? He's got six wins. And what was his last regular tournament, non-major win? That was in, it was back in February, the Northern Trust Open and, uh, the Riviera mm. in, uh, out in California. So uh, congrats to him winning another green jacket. Of course, this tournament uh, saw the, the breakout of a future star on the rise, 20-year-old Jordan Spieth, Dallas, Texas uh, native, who, to no surprise, said, I said last week on this show that he could be a potential to win it, and he flew out watching the Masters. He almost did. He almost did. He was leading by a couple strokes at, uh, on in the front nine on Sunday. And he had that awesome hole out from I forget where was it fifteen or something like that. It, no, it wasn't fifteen. No, it was uh it was, was just reading about it. Yeah, it was on the it was on the it was on the front nine. Uh, it was uh the third hole? It may have been, or like, it may have been five. Uh fourth hole. It was four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then oh. he on the par three sixty also hit one in. Uh but then Bubba matched it and then he That's dropped right. the two birdies on eight and nine, went face bogey twice and mm-hmm. there you like go. That. That's all you got to do. How soon will it take for him to win his first major? Uh, his first major? Uh, well, he came close. He came close to, uh, wasn't he in the U.S. Open last year? Uh, He's very close to winning the Masters. He almost won the Byron Nelson a few years ago. He was in the hunt for that. Yeah, he was in the, uh, he was in the Open Championship. Uh, where he, played, he didn't make the cut at the U.S. Open. He finished top 44th at the Open Championship, and he missed the cut at the PGA. So he's only played in two other uh, majors to this point. I mean, definitely you're seeing a guy uh, star on the rise on the PGA Tour, but as to when he wins a major, I mean, uh, it could be a little while from now. So, I mean, who knows? What was your biggest thing you got took away from the Masters watching it? Um, I feel that uh, the, the, the absence of Tiger Woods – uh, was a little overplayed because ultimately there wasn't that much drama on Sunday. And I think that people just assuming that the tournament would have been more exciting with uh, Tiger in the mix, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Mm-mm. I think it also was hurt by Phil Mickelson didn't make the cut. And he's played very mediocre this year. But I think definitely, you know, Tiger Woods gives an added level of scrutiny. But I think that just assuming the tournament would be more interesting – which I mean, it's definitely what he does add another element that not like no other golfer can add on the tour. But I think that all in all, I don't think it would have been like a significant deal other than you know a big deal, a big difference in television. You are the but, uh, just too much. It's a, a whole other ball game, right, Graham? You are correct. Do you watch the Masters, Graham? Uh, I only caught uh, bits and pieces of it, but what I did catch was uh, Jay Billis uh, from ESPN. He uh, talked about. Uh, Jordan Spieth, who uh, left Texas after his uh, freshman year, and it, uh, he brought up the interesting question of, we question these basketball players who are leaving after their freshman year, and that when a golfer does it, uh, nobody notices it all. I suppose, in, at least in America, golf is a perhaps a less solid sport, a less publicized sport. 
But it, it was an interesting commentary because he did the same thing that these guys are doing, but nobody criticized him for not getting an education, leaving for the money, and he's not guaranteed as much money as these guys who are going to the NBA. That's which right. Is, which is interesting because golf, unless you're finishing top five consistently, might not be as lucrative as the NBA where you sign a contract and you're guaranteed that money. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's, it's a social stigma that people are putting up about basketball players or or something else, but uh, the fact that golf just isn't as publicized. All right, and speaking of the NBA, the playoffs start tomorrow. As last week we broke it down, uh, thinking of the possibilities of who could make the finals. And now the, the, the uh, matchups are set. Some shots have already been fired, including from a very own Clay Thompson, who said that Blake Griffin was equivalent to a bull in a china shop for his aggressive play and uh, outrageous style while shaking his head over there. You disagree with Mr. I mean, that's Thompson's absurd. I mean, I mean, what does that even mean, a bull in a china shop? Yeah, but a bull in a china shop also breaks him out of things, and Blake Griffin is one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, that's just, that's just complete... Well, it's trash talk, but that's just absurd. I mean, come on. All right, now we I don't get. Uh, I don't mean to kill. I don't understand why Blake Griffin is hated the way he is. Like there are a lot of people that hate Blake Griffin, and I don't understand that. I don't understand why he's uh, such a pariah in some corners. But who the hell am I? All right, and now we are joined by SB Nation Bullets Forever writer Satchel Price, good friend of mine, as the Washington Wizards make the playoffs for the first time since two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Was this the season in the making from day one, Satchel, that the Wizards were destined to be not only in the playoffs, but a five seed? Hey, yes, how's it going? Um, so I don't know I don't know if they're I don't know if they were destined. Um as you know before the season Martel Webster uh said that he thought they were gonna make a five seed and everybody laughed at him. But um I think they you know, I think they look like a really good team. Uh, they have a tough matchup against the Bulls. I think it's it's going to be. What is it about this year's team? What is it about this year's team that's different than the Wizards that you've seen in the past? I think they're just. I mean, a big part of it's just the general maturation of their best players. You know, I mean, Wall and Beal are so young, and so you know that they're they're learning things pretty much week to week, and so I think the biggest difference is just that they're, they're you know they're a young team that's building, and and that you know that's a slow process that started essentially three years ago, four years ago when they when they got Wall, and so you know it's it's been slow. And you know they made a big leap last year when they you know they finished 25 and 28 last year once Wall came back from injury, and so that was you know a step forward to showing that they could be competitive. And then you know they kind of put it together this year after trading for Martian Gortat, and that made a big difference as well because um, you know they really needed Sharp in the middle, and um, you know, they, they they kind of decided from the beginning that they wanted to surround Wall and Beal with veterans this season, and so that's why there was Nene, and that's why there's been a re, so that's why they re-signed Martel Webster. And so it's all kind of come together, you know. I think about how a lot of people expected, you know, they were expected to be pretty good this season, but, um, but you know, 44 wins is, you know, one of the best seasons this team has ever had, and I think, you know, people should be excited. Was there a particular game this year that you saw this and like this is a Wizards team that's going to make the playoffs? Because this is a Wizards team, a franchise that was laughed at a few years ago, and now they're in the playoffs. Is there any particular game this year that that in your mind, actually, you were like this team 
they actually can legitimately make a playoff run. Well, I think it's I think it's hard to say if they will make a playoff run at this point, but um, I mean you see them step up for big games, you know, frequently. I think part of the part of the problem when you look at this team is that they tend to play play to the level of their competition. So you know when they're playing a really good team, whether it's Miami or Oklahoma City, they tend to step up and look pretty good. But then, but then you know when they're playing Charlotte or they're playing Philadelphia, they they tend to not play so well, and that. That's something that, you know, the really good teams don't do that. You don't see the Thunder doing that. You don't see the Heat doing that. You don't see the Spurs doing that. And so I think that's that's kind of where you see the, the blips. But when the when the Wizards are, you know, rolling against a good team, you do see, you do see you know, everything that they have because they do have a lot of good players. And, and when it's all working, it, it does look like it's a pretty formidable bunch. But, you know, I think there are questions that surround what Randy Whitman does and there are questions surrounding just the kind of consistency that the team can show on a nightly basis. And when you're talking about a seven-game series against a, a team that's, you know, as good if not better, I think it's 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 going to be tough. But but they are, you know, they're they're better, and it's it's you know, this is going to be a learning experience as well. And I'm sure that that's something that they're going to talk about. But but it's all progress, and and I'm sure that they're they're planning to win a title eventually. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be uh, around to see that. You told me yesterday, you uh, being a native of Chicago, you're upset that they're facing the Bulls. Do the Wizards actually have a legit chance to defeat the Bulls, or if not force it to six or seven games? Um, I mean, I'm mainly just upset because, you know, I think I think it kind of splits my allegiances a little bit. But but I think I think it's actually going to be a great matchup. Um, you know, the Bulls are obviously a team that that plays incredibly hard and has arguably the best defensive structure of any team in the league. But, you know, the the Wizards have played them very tough all season when they've played other than the last game at Friday and Centers. That was a blowout. But otherwise, they've played really well. And, you know, that was a game without Nene. I think Nene is kind of going to be the the game changer. That's the kind of, you know, because they, they struggled badly without Nene. And he's the kind of guy who can kind of, combat the, the relentlessness that you see from guys like Joe Kim Noah and Tosh Gibson. And Nene is such a smart player that he's able to kind of move around and, and kind of, you know, use his physicality to, to make a huge difference. And so I think I, I do think it could easily go to six or seven games because they're both really good teams. And it's going to just kind of come down to, to just whether the Wizards can execute offensively, realistically, I think. Essential Price, SB Nation, Bulls forever. In terms of the, the grand scheme of the league, uh, if Kevin Durant does win the MVP, what has separated him from the past performances of a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant? Well, I think, I think, I mean, at this point, you know, he's, it's hard to say that he's necessarily, you know, gone way past LeBron as a player because LeBron has set such a high level. But, you know, I mean, when you look at Durant's numbers this year, they are, you know, light years ahead of anybody else. It's like 32.7 rebounds, five assists a game, which is, you know, that's just video game stuff. And and so, you know, he 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 does it on both ends now. He's a much much improved defensive player. And this has kind of been the season where LeBron, you know, he's not. It's not that LeBron isn't as great anymore, but he he doesn't. You know, he doesn't play as many um, minutes. You know, you don't see the, the box scores and fill up the way he used to fill it up. And, and this season, you know, the Durant has just been so incredible leading Oklahoma City. And just kind of the development that he's shown has been phenomenal, particularly as a, as a scorer and a 
playmaker. He is the entire Oklahoma City offense a lot of the time, and it's pretty astonishing. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Who are you? Do you have a finals preview, a prediction, because of a bad East, basically either the Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers, or perhaps someone else, and then a very stacked West? Who would you have in the finals if it was today? Honestly, right now, if I just just got into my head a prediction, I'd say a rematch of last year. I think if you look at, you know, I think I think the Heat and the Spurs are probably looking like the two best teams at each conference right now. I think, you know, I think people underestimate a lot of the teams in the East. I don't think that Toronto and Brooklyn and Chicago get a fair shake. But, you know, Indiana's not looking great. And and I don't think you – you would need a reason to think that Miami's not going to take the East, and I don't think you have it yet. And then out West, the Spurs are just a class. And, you know, the Thunder's so good, but but the, the, the Spurs are just – just a machine, and I think that you know, I think the I think they remember last year, and I think last year was a particularly painful loss, and so because they were they were five seconds away from winning the title, and then ran out and hit that three in the corner, and that changed everything, and so I think I, I think I think that San Antonio is going to be a real real major threat to the West in the playoffs this year, and so I'm really interested to see how that all pans out for sure. Alrighty, Satchel Price. Bolts Forever writer, and we'll be following the Washington Wizards as they are back in the playoffs. Thanks again for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Interesting rematch of last year's finals. Flo, we talked about the playoffs last year. Do you, That's right. You said that the Heat would be back, only you said it would be a Thunder Heat matchup. Do you still stand by that? Did I say a Thunder Heat matchup? Yeah. Do you change it now if... Yeah, I, I thought I picked the Spurs again. Actually, no, I did pick the Thunder. I said the Spurs. Oh, that's I right. I think the Spurs would win the title. Okay. Um, I'm going to still go with the Thunder. And the thing with the Thunder, I'm actually really worried about this series against Memphis. Memphis is the best record in the NBA since uh, Marcus All came back from injury in uh, in uh, January. And they're, with how well they're, they've been playing, how strong their defense is, they can wear down Durant, but I think the difference in that series will be a healthy Russell Westbrook. If you have a health, a healthy Russell Westbrook, I don't know why I'm struggling with that name today. It's Tom Twister. Exactly. It gets the best of us. Exactly. Well, and Even yeah. the most literate of us. That's right. And I, and I can barely read. But I think that having him will be the difference because without him, it's the, the, their offense is Durant, Durant, Durant. Serge Ibaka? A little Serge Ibaka. Jackson? Uh, Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> okay, okay. Nah, but uh, I, I, and I really think a, a, a we're bound for a Spurs-Thunder series. I think that'll be awesome. But as of right now, I could have sworn to pick San Antonio. But if I pick Oklahoma City, um, I'll stick with Oklahoma City as of right now. But I do worry about the San Antonio is going to have no issues against your your Mavericks. Yeah, they looked bad the other night. No and, surprise. I have the Spurs and Indiana. I have both one seeds making it. You have Indiana getting past Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if they get there, if they get there, they're obviously pretty primed to defeat the Heat because Miami has a road of either Toronto or Brooklyn, and I think Brooklyn is going to come out guns ablazing if they play the Heat. Graham Burns, who are your NBA predictions for you move on forward? Um, well, I I want to expand on what you just said about uh, Brooklyn taking out Miami after they took the the season series 4-0. <laughs> and everybody, like, 
who uh, somebody asked LeBron, like, do you think Brooklyn yeah, is crazy? Craig yeah, he goes, Craig, please, come on. Uh, come on, Craig. I think it's interesting. Uh, Miami, they've definitely I, – I get very tired of seeing them do so well. So I, I think I'm going to go uh, with Indiana here. Yeah, Graham's just a hater of the Heat. I really am. I can't stand LeBron James. Indiana's uh, been terrible. Like. They haven't been good, but, you know, if they – have a solid it is, it is seven game series though. It's, there are plenty of yeah. times to to sort of fix what you what you miss. Yeah, nothing, but, nothing says we're gonna get back on track than playing the Atlanta Hawks. Hey, Atlanta, Atlanta can steal a game. I think Atlanta could steal a game. I think uh, Charlotte could steal a game against Miami. So you have so Graham has you have basically the same thing I did. A Spurs Pacers final. I could. I'm gonna take Thunder Pacers. Thunder. So basically, have everything else. Heat Thunder for flow. Thunder, Thunder, Pacers, Pacers for Graham and a Spurs Pacers final. And now it's time to end the show on a wonderful note and the, some fantastic music. The FRPD forensics team of Cap- of uh, Officer Florence and Officer Gardner will break down good cop, bad cop of something of some topics that have come up over the week to uh, break it down. Captain Graham, who is our first subject? We our first subject is Kevin Harvick, who won last week at Darlington. He's the first driver to win there twice. Uh, and now he has a shot to win at either Richmond next or potentially Talladega. All right, I will take good cop on this. Kevin Harvick, second driver, first driver to win two races in the chase. He is in prime position to be this year's Matt Kenseth from last year when Kenseth went off. And now he goes into a Richmond track, which he has done very well. Stuart Haas has been looking great. His car was fast in Charlotte. His car was has been great all speed weeks. It has been the the team to beat with the exception of a blown engine at Texas. Other than that, he has been doing stellar. And I can see Harvick winning at Talladega because that is always a crapshoot. But here's the thing with Harvick, though. Yes, he's got the two wins, but there's a reason why. You know where he is in points right now? 22nd. That would be the worst uh, points performance if he maintained that pace over the course of the year. He's got two wins, but he also only has two top fives, and he only has three top tens. He has uh, – here, here are a list of his finishes this year. 13th, 1st, 41st, 39th, 36th, 7th, 42nd, and 1st. So Harvick has been way all over the place. I mean, he'll still stay in the chase unless he, the bottom completely falls out and he falls out of the top 30. But he has been so inconsistent this year. I think as of this point, he's uh, a little more than a, than a toss-up. Mm. All right. Captain Graham, what is our next topic? We have Mashiro Tanaka. I hope I got that right. Masahiro. Masahiro Tanaka, who broke a Yankees record for most strikeouts in three games with 26. And he had 10 strikeouts in his outing against the Cubs last weekend. I, I am going to uh, take the good cap on this one. And Tanaka, one thing that was said about Tanaka is that he was going to come in while – he may suffer the growing pains of adjusting from coming from uh, Japan baseball, uh, Japanese baseball, over to the major leagues. But he's stepped in and he's been fantastic thus far for these for this Yankees club, a team that's going to need him to be uh, tremendous. And I think he has shown that while he may not have the pure stuff you Darvish has, 
he has the potential to be as good of a starter possibly as uh, you, Darvis, who pitches for your club. Ah, okay, uh, bad cup for me. Uh, he could be on pace for uh, a bad injury as as you're very high risk of players that pitch like him. Great numbers, but also in the, uh, the New York media, if one bad game, he is chastised and hung on the Empire State Building because he has to also compete up against for uh, – for starting pitchers, because a lot of times good Yankee pitchers falter off. We've seen like Randy Johnson. That's right. And uh, among others, Jabba Chamberlain, who lost his starting job. So what does he do playing 20 games if he can keep this up? Very long baseball season. And our final one, Graham, who is our last subject on the forensic board? We got my boy, JK, Jabari Parker, who is declaring for the NBA draft. Uh, He told Sports Illustrated that his career would be longer, uh, better if he leaves now. Um, I'm presuming I'm taking the bad cop on this. No, you're the good cop. I'm the good cop. I thought, it was good. I thought we were going to alternate again. No, see, I'll be the bad cop on this one. All right, I'll be the good cop. Uh, the, re- the, the thing is that look at somebody like Kevin Durant or Kevin Garnett, look at Kobe Bryant, how long their careers have been. And because they came to the league younger, you uh, adjust more to the NBA. And not only that, the college year is it's a little bit of a grinder. I mean, yeah, it's shorter. But it's it seems to be it's more compact, and you have the NCAA tournament, which is so many games in so many days. So I think he's making the great a great decision. With these players, you got to go when your stock is is at its highest. And he's he was brilliant this year, and I think he's making the right call because who knows? Maybe next year, if he were to stay in uh, college, he breaks his leg or something like that. So and that's why I take the backup. The odds of that, in especially in modern day, the last time we saw a good player hurt himself, and ultimately affect his draft stock was, I think, Deshaun Butler of West Virginia. When he he probably him. New Orleans Noel, technically. I guess he didn't say next year. That was his freshman year. So yeah. Technically, yeah. Well, but, uh, uh, but it didn't hurt Kyrie Irving when he was there. It's the thing, and that's the thing on yeah. bad cop. He it's also like, came back, though. It's like, well, Kyrie Irving, he was hurt and missed, you know, 90% of that season. It was, well, still, it was 90. It was still, I think he played in, like, 11 games that year. So he was, was still number one pick, though. Was it? Oh, I was wrong. He was still a number one overall pick. Yeah. So it's like Jamari Parker was is destined to be a first round draft pick regardless. He has the build, he has the shooting ability, plays great defense. He's he's a man among boys. But he can get the dollar bills now. Well, why does he want the dollar bills now? That's what makes me frustrated. Is when well, you want the dollar bills? It, it, that's kind of that's kind of big for a lot of these guys that don't don't come from much. That's the thing. He did. He did come from something. He had a very good backing uh, of a family that supported him. Of course, he made this entire thing of the decision to go to Duke. So yeah. now him leaving early, he passes on two great things. Uh, one, a, a chance to win the NCAA tournament. He'll never get that again. To play under a, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Coach K. And two, um, a, a world class education, which was one of the reasons why he chose Duke to be, the, I guess, a one-and-done opposed from anything else. Well, but here's the thing. Think about it this way. If if you could come out of co- come straight out of high school, he would never would have been to Duke. So, I mean, he would have sure. gone right to the NBA. Well, of course, now now we know his last possible game was him and a loss to Mercer. We love Mercer. It's always beautiful when you see a Duke guy go out on bottom like that. That's right. Not like us. We went out on top. Hey, you. Yeah. Lost the team that went to the Final Four. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So now that I'll do it for our show. Some some final things to touch on. Uh, no report is Colin Kaepernick's contract talks are on hold after the uh, sexual assault case. I think. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. There hasn't been charges of anything yet, but the, it's it's the whole thing is bizarre, and I I don't think that I think the 49ers are making the right call here and just holding off because who knows how it's going to turn. But if you're the team, you can't you can't do anything until. If charges come up or if they say nothing comes of this. Right. And, of course, uh, another thing your boy Frank hates. Shout oh. out to uh, your boy Jeff. That's right. Mizzou. He's leaving Mizzou to go coach at Tulsa because Danny Manning is going to Wake Forest. That's right. Um, another sh- – another co- uh, Pat Forty had a very, fa- uh, uh, very good column on uh, Yahoo Sports where he talks about – this is another high uh, – uh, pr- uh, not necessarily high profile, but another – African-American basketball coach in the SEC leaving for what is that best. And we also see this with Kwanzaa Martin leaving Tennessee for Cal. And this is leaving for an equal job at best. And in Hape's case, and he was going to be in the hot seat, but Martin was going to be in the, uh, well, not necessarily the hot seat, but people want him fired in the middle of this year. He got him the Sweet 16. But uh, Hape was definitely going to be in the hot seat next year. Wasn't going to be as good of a team. and But you're going to a Tulsa program, which is a Big step down from from a Missouri program that I think their students are overrated, but it's still a solid basketball. Maybe NIT. Well, I mean the NIT is this team had enough to- talent to get to the tournament. Yeah, that's no, a no, it's just downgrading. That's just bad. Also, yeah, uh, love Atlanta gets an MLS team. Shout out to uh, soccer fans out there. And of course, uh, after talks at New York City FC would play in Flushing Meadows, guess what? Their first three seasons will play in Yankee Stadium. Well, they were they were a team that was gonna end up playing in Yankee Stadium at least for their first year. They were trying initially to get a deal with Flushing Meadows, uh, which is uh, around where City Field is, where the Mets play. But it's it's going to be interesting where that team ultimately finds a stadium, which I believe they will. But for the, at least the first few years, they will be at the old uh, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Also, uh, another shout out. I uh, wish the, uh, the the best for uh, Craig Sager's family. That's right. Uh, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, leukemia. leukemia. So we know that for Craig. We're pulling for you every step of the way here on Fanatic Radio. Absolutely. You can also check out the uh, the podcast on iTunes and go to blogtalkradio.com slash fanaticradio or b4360.com hey. to listen to this week's episode. John Butcher, Guy Satchel Price joined us for all of us here on Block Talk Radio. For Graham Burns, Ben Florence, I'm Mike Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next week. Yes, we will. <laughs>